ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد So in the previous session we had mentioned the first and the second nullifiers from the nullifiers of Islam. The first one was generally shirk. As we know the greatest sin that a person can fall into is the sin of shirk. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Qur'an, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ أَنْ يُشْرَكَ بِهِ وَيَغْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ That Allah does not forgive that you commit shirk alongside Him. And He forgives all else to whom He wills. So shirk is the greatest sin. And so as the first nullifier here, it was mentioned as shirk itself. The second nullifier that we started last time also, it had mentioned, مَنْ جَعَلَ بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَ اللَّهِ وَسَائِطِ يَدْعُوهُمْ وَيَسْأَلُهُمُ الشَّفَاعَةِ وَيَتَوَكَّلُ عَلَيْهِمْ فَقَدْ كَفَرَ إِجْمَاعًا Somebody who makes intermediaries between himself and Allah. Somebody who makes intermediaries between himself and Allah, and he calls upon them, and he asks them for intercession, and he puts his trust into them, then that individual has committed kufr by consensus. When it comes to this issue now, this second nullifier of making intermediaries between yourself and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, calling upon the dead, calling upon the deceased in their graves, then there are a few points to take note of here regarding making dua to the deceased. The first point to note is, or the first scenario in which this could occur within is, that a person calls upon the deceased one, with types of dua, that are clearly, absolutely specific to Allah. The first scenario in this issue of taking intermediaries, and intercessors, and calling upon the deceased, the first scenario in this is that an individual, he calls upon these deceased individuals with certain supplications and du'as such that these certain supplications and du'as are specific things that you're only supposed to ask Allah for. Like... He makes dua to the deceased one asking him, forgive me. Give me forgiveness, meaning istighfar. Istighfar, he does it with the dead person. That is something clearly that you only do to Allah, meaning you only ask from Allah. You only do the istighfar with Allah, seeking the forgiveness from Allah. So if he was to go to the deceased and make this dua, have forgiveness upon me, give me forgiveness, asking for forgiveness, then that is something clearly dangerous. Or seeking mercy, rahma, asking the deceased to show him mercy, and to have mercy upon him. That is again something very clear and specific to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or Rizq, he asks the deceased in the grave for rizq, for sustenance, for provisions. That is again something 
that you only ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for, or he makes dua to the deceased, asking for cure, to cure some illness that has overcome him, to cure some illness that has overcome somebody from his relatives, or he asks from this deceased for protection, to safeguard him from certain affairs, whatever they may be in his life. These types of dua, those examples we've just been giving, those types of dua are types that clearly you can only ask Allah for. Asking for forgiveness, clearly that is a dua you can only ask Allah for. Asking for mercy, clearly that is something you can only ask from Allah. Asking for sustenance and rizq, clearly only from Allah. Asking to be cured from illness, clearly only from Allah. These are types of dua that can clearly only be made to Allah. So if an individual was taking intermediaries and intercessors such that he was making these types of dua to them, then that is certainly major shirk. That is certainly major shirk that exits uh, the one performing it from the fold of Islam. And that is what is meant by the second nullifier here. Those who take intermediaries and intercessors and call upon them with supplications that are only deserving of Allah, asking for mercy, forgiveness, sustenance, provisions, cure, these are things you can only ask Allah for. Asking others for these types of things, then it is major shirk. That is the first scenario in this issue of calling upon the dead and taking intermediaries and intercessors. The second scenario under this category is that a person makes dua to the deceased Asking the deceased one to be an intermediary, to be an intercessor for him between him and Allah. He's asking this deceased person to intermediate for him to Allah. For the deceased person to be the middleman in taking his dua to Allah. And so this person now is depending on the deceased one to have his dua taken up to Allah. And this is the type of thing you hear often from people saying, we are sinners, our dua is never going to be accepted. We're sinners, we're wrongdoers, we have so much uh, error and wrong and sin and unrighteousness that our dua would not be accepted if we called upon Allah ourselves directly. We need somebody pious to intermediate and to take our dua to Allah, so that our dua goes to Allah via somebody pious, and therefore there's more possibility of it being accepted as they perceive things to be and claim. So, they go to the graves of these righteous and they may not even be righteous, but as they claim, they go to the graves of some of these people, saying that they are righteous and they are pious, we are not, so for our dua to have more chance of being accepted, instead of us calling upon Allah direct, we call upon these people, to ask them to intermediate, and take our duas to Allah for us, on our behalf. That is one scenario. This also, is still major shirk. This also is still major shirk, which exits a person out of the fold of Islam. There is a difference between this scenario and the first one. In the first scenario, the person is going to the grave, asking him, Oh such and such, forgive me. Oh such and such, have Mercy upon me. Oh, such and such, give me rizq. Oh, such and such, give me cure from this disease or my family member. 
asking the person, clear blatant shirk. In the second scenario, what's happening? The individual is going to the grave, making dua for these same types of things perhaps, to be given forgiveness, to have mercy upon him, to be cured from some disease. But in this scenario, he's not directly asking from this individual as such. He is asking the individual to take his dua to Allah to be an intermediary for him in the dua to be taken to Allah, to be an intercessor between him and Allah. So the person now puts his trust in this deceased one. Because he's making his dua to the dead guy, expecting, hoping, putting his trust in him, that through him he'll take my dua to Allah and to be answered. Having that trust and dependence and reliance and making dua to the deceased in this way, and believing and depending and relying on them to be intermediaries for you and to take your dua to Allah is major shirk. How so? Because the mushrikun at the time of the Prophet ﷺ used to do exactly this scenario type of shirk. Allah says in the Quran, وَيَعْبُدُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مَا لَا يَضُرُّهُمْ وَلَا يَنْفَعُهُمْ وَيَقُولُونَ هَأُولَئِ شُفَعَاؤُنَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ Allah said they used to worship others besides Allah, others who cannot harm them, nor can they benefit them. Yet they used to say, these are our intermediaries between us and Allah. In another ayah it mentions, or rather in this ayah it mentions, هَأُولَئِ شُفَعَاؤُنَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ and in the other one it mentions, مَا نَعْبُدُهُمْ إِلَّا لِيُقَرِّبُونَ إِلَى اللَّهِ زُلْفَى We don't worship them except that it is just they bring us closer to Allah. So this scenario, this idea of having intercessors and intermediaries, these deceased people depending on them, putting your trust in them that they'll take your dua up for you, they'll intercede for you, they'll be the middleman for you, putting your trust in them, that is what the mushrikun used to do at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. And it is major shirk still. That is major shirk. Third scenario of this topic, making dua at the grave of the deceased. We've had two scenarios of a person going and making dua at the grave of the deceased. In the first scenario, blatantly calling upon him. In the second scenario, calling upon him as an intermediary and putting his trust in him and reliance in him as an intermediary. Both major shirk. The third scenario of a person making dua at the grave is that the person goes to the grave of the deceased and requests that the deceased make dua for him. Like how you would go to somebody in real life who is alive, and you say to somebody, remember me in your duas, make dua for me. Sah? Common. You would say to somebody, make dua for me. They go to the grave of a dead person, and they make that same dua, make dua for me. It's one thing when you go to somebody alive and you say to him, make dua for me. That's allowed. There's details about the issue, but overall it's allowed generally. To the dead person though, going to him and saying, such and such, make dua for me. In that type of scenario, going to the grave of a dead person and asking him to make dua for you, just like how you would normally in somebody alive saying to him, make dua for me. What's the ruling on that? Because that scenario there isn't the same as scenario number two. In scenario number two, they were asking those deceased to make dua for them technically, but it was much more detailed. They were wanting them to be intermediaries, intercessors, take their dua to Allah, etc., etc. Here it's far, far less in scenario three. He is basically going to the grave saying, make dua for me, just as... You would go to a person alive and you say to him, make dua for me. So, what's the ruling on this scenario? It's one of the conditions that the person has to be alive. But okay, here though, he's doing it now. What's the ruling on this scenario? If the person alive, 
Huh? You mean the dead, dead. He's going to the person of a grave. He's in the grave. He's gone to a person who's dead in the grave, whoever it might be, and he's there saying, make dua for me. He's, he's making this dua or this request from that dead person, make dua for me. So what's the ruling here? He's dead. We're asking what's the ruling here? He's gone to the grave of a dead person and said to him, make dua for me. What's the ruling? So, uh, which one then? Minor shirk or bid'ah? They're slightly different. Minor shirk? So 50-50, where do you want to go? Alright, we know that much in the Quran, in the Sunnah, it tells us the dead person cannot hear you anyway. They don't hear you. But this type of situation, he, uh, when he makes this request, when you make the request from a living person, that's not really the issue. You say to somebody, make dua for me, done. When you go to the grave of a dead person, and you're doing that saying, make dua for me. Have you actually committed any act of shirk per se? You've said, make dua for me. Just that act of saying to a dead person, make dua for me. We know you can't hear and all the rest of those things, but just that act of saying to the dead person, make dua for me, has that gone into any realms of shirk? Not specifically just that. Not specifically just that. Saying to a person, make dua for me. But like we said, the person in the grave can't hear you, etc., etc. Those are the rulings. Therefore, it would be classed, as the shaykh says, a type of, I mean, it's a tawassul, it's a type of tawassul you're seeking there, but it's bid'ah. It is innovation. Calling upon the dead person saying, make dua for me. He does not hear you. He cannot do that for you. So it is a bid'ah what you're doing there. Going and asking a dead person, make dua for me. So, even though that scenario is different to scenario number two, it's a lot less here. Still though, asking a dead person, make dua for me, is not something prescribed in the Quran and the Sunnah. So, in that instance, it would be termed as a type of tawassul that you are seeking here. A type of means. When you ask somebody alive, you say, you make dua for me, that's a type of means. So here you are seeking a type of means, but is this means prescribed? Not at all. Is this means in the sunnah? Not at all. Not legislated for you to go to a dead person and say, make dua for me. For the one who's alive, it can be done. You say to somebody, make dua for me. Okay. But somebody dead in the grave, you go there and say, make dua for me. So this is a bid'ah. It's a bid'ah at least. It can even turn out to be type of shirk. It could even go beyond being just a bid'ah into a type of shirk, depending on the way it's done. So for example, if this person now goes to the grave of the deceased and says, make dua for me, but when he does that, he actually has a level of trust and dependence and reliance in that dead person to make dua for him and that, that will benefit him, etc. He's got a level of attachment with his heart and dependence in this dead person to make dua for him. Now it's getting into the realms of going into shirk. Because now you're putting your trust and dependence in this dead person to make dua for you. And the dead person doesn't hear you and he cannot do that for you. So now it's going into realms of shirk. Or if you were to do that, in a manner which clearly uh, indicates its impermissibility. For example, you're not even at the grave of that dead person. You're not even at the grave of this dead person. You're somewhere else and you're making dua, Ya, whatever that person's name was. Ya, such and such, make dua for me. And you're not even at the grave. You're in your house 20 miles away from the graveyard. And you're making dua, Ya, such and such, make dua for me. He can't hear you at the grave. From here now, it's impermissible. Completely impermissible. It would even be impermissible in that scenario like that if you were asking somebody alive. You cannot 
ask somebody to make dua for you if they are distant from you and cannot hear you. And that's why they mention the stories of the Sufis in their books. Uh, in one of the Sufi books, it says that there were, we mentioned this once before, I'm sure. There was a few students of a particular great Sufi Imam. There was a great Sufi Imam and he had some students. On one occasion, these students were out fishing or something on the sea. And they got into trouble. Waves and storm. The water came everywhere. The boat was sinking. They got into trouble. So they called out. They're out in the ocean now somewhere. There's Sheikh, this, the big Sufi Imam. He's sitting on land somewhere wherever he is, 20, 30, 50, 100 miles away. They're in trouble on the ocean now, so they call out to their Sheikh. Our Sheikh, save us, help us, this, that, the other. In the books, this is in the books it's mentioned, by the Sufi authors themselves they wrote it. They say when they called out, the Sheikh heard their cries. Heard the cries of his students from wherever he was miles and miles away. So he stretched out his hand. Stretched out his hand until it reached those students in the sea and he picked them out and brought them to land. Stretched his hand out from where he was. And then they mention from the miracles of the Imam. From the miracles of the Imam, when he picked their boat out of the sea, with his outstretched hand for miles and miles from where he was, when he picked out their boat from the sea, so now his hand has expanded or something as well, to pick out the boat from the sea, the cloth, this type of robe, if you if you have like a bath of water, if you pick something out, what's going to happen to this bottom bit? That's going to get wet. They say from the miracles of the sheikh, he picked out the boat and even this part didn't get wet. Didn't touch the water. He managed to do this and get the boat and this part didn't even get wet. So this is shirk. This type of thing is not permissible, of course. Calling out to someone who cannot hear you, he's not in your presence, then it's not possible. So these are scenarios where it could fall into something more dangerous. But if none of that existed, it was just simply him going to the grave and saying, make dua for me, then that is at least a bid'ah. It is something completely impermissible and incorrect. And it is not from the sunnah whatsoever. All of this then, it is talking about this second nullifier of Islam. And that is, taking intermediaries in your dua between yourself and Allah. Because the dua, when you call upon Allah, it should be done directly to Allah. Call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly, and you do not need to call upon others and have intermediaries and intercessors. Uh, this I've heard with my own ears. People used to say this from certain backgrounds. They used to say, look, we are sinners. Our imams, they tell us, if you want to make dua, call upon the great imam who used to be in our mosque and now he's passed away. Call upon him. Not that you're making dua to him. So you're not committing shirk. This is how they used to teach them. You're not calling upon him to answer your dua. You're not asking him to answer your dua, so it's not shirk. You're just asking him to take it to Allah, so it's not shirk. That's how they used to teach them. It's not shirk because you're not asking him to answer your dua. You're not making your dua to him. You're just using him as an intermediary to take your dua to Allah. Allah is the one who's going to answer your dua. That's where your dua is going. So it's not shirk to make this intermediary and ask him to take it. That's not shirk. That's what they used to tell them. So they used to make dua like that, call upon their, their maulana as they say, and the, the big imam, call upon him, oh such and such, the, the big imams, their names, make dua via them, and they taught it isn't shirk, because you're only going via them, your dua ultimately you know is going to Allah, that's, that's ibadah, worship to Allah, this person you're not asking him to answer your dua, he's just intermediary, but that's exactly what the mushrikun used to do, they used to take those other deities and idols and people in the graves as intermediaries to take your dua via them. And that is impermissible, it is haram. Allah said in the Quran, they used to say the mushrikun, Ha'ula shufa'auna Allah. These are our intercessors with Allah. In the Quran, clear as can be. These are our intermediaries with Allah. 
and they were termed as kuffar mushrikun for doing that type of thing. So it is impermissible to have these intermediaries, to have these intercessors, even going to the grave of the Prophet ﷺ and doing that. How many people they do it there? They want to go to the grave and they want to face the grave and they want to make dua, Ya Rasulullah, this, that, the other. And they may say to you, look, we're not calling upon him. We're not calling upon the Prophet ﷺ. We're just making the dua for him to intercede with Allah for us. Ya Rasulullah, I have this issue, that issue. Ya Rasulullah, intercede on my behalf. Ishfa' lana. Make our dua to Allah for us. They think that will help in their dua to be answered. And that is incorrect, impermissible. Nothing in the Quran and Sunnah telling us you make your dua with intercession of the Prophet ﷺ. Now go to his grave and ask him to take your dua to Allah. What's the biggest, biggest proof for that? Or one of the biggest proofs. No single Sahabi ever did that. Is there any hadith Sahaba living there in Medina after the Prophet ﷺ died? That they ever, ever used to go to his grave and say, Ya Rasulullah, ask Allah this and ask Allah that. Ya Rasulullah, can you do this? Can you do that? We're in need of this, we're in need of that. Ever? Not a single time. Why did they never used to go and ask the Prophet ﷺ to take dua to Allah? Use that as a means of shafa'ah. They knew it was haram, it is not established in the Quran and the Sunnah to do that. There is one clear proof that shows it as well. When the Prophet ﷺ was alive, one time there was a drought. So they requested from the Prophet ﷺ that he should make the dua to Allah for the rain. That's okay. He was alive. The Prophet ﷺ was alive. A man came and asked him, you make dua for the rain. You make the dua to Allah for the rain. He's alive, no problem, he can do it. When he died, وسلم, there was another occasion where a drought occurred. When he was alive, obviously they wouldn't go to anybody else. Though. Who, who would they go to? To the Prophet, وسلم, you make dua to Allah. Nobody better than the Prophet. وسلم. After he died on one occasion, this hadith is in Bukhari. After he died on one occasion, there was a drought again. So now, the same situation. They wanted somebody to make the dua, they wanted somebody to do the, the, the supplication, the istisqa, asking for the rain. Again, who is the best of all of mankind? Muhammad wasallam. The Sahaba, where are they right now? They were in Medina. Right next to them is the grave of the Prophet wasallam. right there. Medina in those days, you know as well, you know how the Prophet's mosque is now. The courtyard and everything, and the hotels. That was Medina, that's it. Just that area, that's what Medina was in those days. The haram, what you see now, and the hotels, and just that area there. That was basically Medina, that was it. So they were there, in that vicinity. And even if they were slightly further out, it was nowhere near like the size now. Even slightly more further out. But they were just there, right there. In the vicinity, the grave of the Prophet ﷺ, the mosque of the Prophet ﷺ, the best of mankind, drought is happening, they need somebody to make dua, who should they go to? The Prophet ﷺ. Who did they go to? So they went to the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ and said to him, you make the dua. Why would they not go to the Prophet ﷺ to ask him to make the dua? Who is better, him or Abbas? Who is superior? The Prophet ﷺ or his uncle Abbas radiallahu anhu? The Prophet ﷺ. Why would the Sahaba bypass the Prophet ﷺ and go to somebody less? His uncle Abbas who is not a Prophet, not a messenger. Why would they do that? What sense does it make to do that? What can be the only explanation? They knew going to the Prophet ﷺ was not even an option. If it was an option, would they have dared bypass the Prophet ﷺ and go to anybody else? If it was allowed and it was sunnah and permissible to go to the grave of the Prophet ﷺ and ask him to make the dua, 
would they have dared bypass him and go to anybody else? Would the Sahaba have ever done that? If it was known, you can go to the Prophet's grave. Why would they go to Abbas or even Abu Bakr or Umar or anybody else? Why would they? Does it make any sense? Not at all. If it was allowed to the Prophet, no question. Straight to the Prophet. They didn't. And there is only one reason why they didn't. Because they knew that wasn't even an option on the list. You cannot go to the grave of the Prophet ﷺ and ask him to make intercession. They knew that. Hence, because that was not an option, then they looked at the other options, and they said, Abbas, you are the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, you make the dua. That's why they went to him. And that is one of the biggest proofs that it is not permissible to go and seek intercession at the grave of the Prophet ﷺ. If it was permissible, then definitely the Sahaba, they wouldn't have gone to Abbas, they would have gone straight to the Prophet ﷺ. So now these people who say you can do intercession, they need to explain that. They need to explain. If you're going to say it is allowed to go to the grave of the Prophet ﷺ and make dua and ask him to do intercession for you, then why did the Sahaba purposely avoid doing that and go to Abbas instead? They purposely bypassed that and didn't do that because they knew it is haram. If it was an option and it was allowed, there's no way they would have left that option and gone to Abbas. It just makes no sense at all. They will not be able to give you any explanation to it. There is no explanation to it. If you have the Prophet ﷺ as an option, then you don't even need to look at anybody else. Abu Bakr, Umar, Abbas, radiyallahu anhum, none of them are comparable to the Prophet ﷺ. If the Prophet ﷺ was an option, you can go to his grave and make dua, the Sahaba wouldn't have even flinched or looked anywhere else. Straight to the grave of the Prophet ﷺ. Obvious or not? Obvious. But they didn't because they knew it's not an option. That's why they had to go to Abbas. And that is clear. So, seeking this type of intercession from the graves, from the deceased, it is impermissible. It is impermissible even from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So when we discuss now this issue of du'a and this issue of intercession with the deceased, when making du'a to Allah, there are certain things you can do to increase the likelihood of your dua to be answered. There are certain means that you can apply in your dua to increase the possibility of it being accepted. One is that when you make your dua, you call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with His various names and attributes. You call upon Allah with his names and attributes. Because Allah told us to do that in the Qur'an. In the Qur'an Allah said, وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى فَدْعُوهُ بِهَا That indeed Allah has the most perfect and beautiful of names. So make dua to him with them. Meaning call upon Allah with his beautiful names and perfect names in your dua. Call upon Allah with those names. Call upon Allah as the one who is Al-Ghafoor, the one who is Al-Rahim, Al-Rahman. Call upon Allah with these names when you're asking for forgiveness, when you're asking for mercy. Call upon Allah using the names of Allah in your dua. That is something good. Because Allah tells us in the Qur'an, indeed Allah has the most perfect and beautiful of names, so call upon Him via those names. That is something you can do. So you seek closeness to Allah via mentioning those names. So you say for example, Ya Rahman, Ya Rahim, Irhamni. Oh, Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim, have mercy upon me. You're asking for mercy and therefore you mention the names of Allah that are related to mercy. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. So Ya Rahman, Ya Rahim, Irhamni. The merciful one, calling upon Allah with those names of mercy, have mercy upon me. For example, Allahumma ya Malik, 
Yawmiddin. Oh Allah, the one in charge of and in control of, the one who will do the accountability of everyone on the day of judgment, have mercy upon me and forgive me. So you're calling upon Allah with his names, Malik, the one who is the one in charge and control of, and the accountability will be done by him on the day of judgment. He is the one you are asking now to forgive you and have mercy upon you. So you can use and call upon Allah with various names of Allah and then make the dua that is relevant to those names. Or rather, whatever dua you have to make, then you select the relevant names of Allah to your dua and call upon Him with those names in making the dua. So that is something good. Number two, when making dua, you can do... So that there, number one, is is a type of tawassul. It's a type of tawassul. You are making the tawassul between yourself and Allah via the names of Allah. Calling upon Allah with those names and it's a means of tawassul in your dua. That's permissible there. Second type of tawassul in your dua which is permissible as well. The second type which is allowed and it is permissible also is making dua and Within that, making mention of the sincere and righteous and good deeds that you've done. So, أن تتوصل إلى الله سبحانه وتعالى بالأعمال الصالحة. So you can say, اللهم إني كنت فعلت هذا العمل طلبا لمرضاتك وخوفا من صخاتك. اللهم ففرج عني كذا وكذا. اللهم فعل لي كذا وكذا. You say, Oh Allah. Indeed, sincerely desiring your pleasure, I did X, Y, and Z. So, uh, make the affair easy for me regards to this, that, the other. That, oh Allah, sincerely for you, I did this deed and that deed. What you've done sincerely, and you know what you've done sincerely. In your heart, what you did sincerely. Oh Allah, such and such, I did it sincerely for your sake. Desiring your pleasure upon it. So make my affair easy for me with regards to X, Y, and Z. So you're making some dua for something, and you're putting this type of introduction into your dua, of the righteous and good deeds you've done sincerely for the sake of Allah, desiring the reward from Allah, purely for the sake of Allah. You're mentioning those as a means of tawassul for your dua to be answered. That is allowed too. Uh, and there's the famous example which proves that, which is, The men who were stuck in the cave. So, the story of the cave, it mentions from the hadith of Ibn Umar, radiyallahu anhuma, anin nabiyyi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, qal, kharaja thalathatu nafarin yamshuna fa'asabahum al-matar. Three individuals, they went out walking, and it began to rain. Fadakhalu fi gharin fi jabal. So, to take shelter, they walked into a cave, in the side of a mountain. فَانْحَطَّتْ عَلَيْهِمْ صَخْرَةً When they went into the cave waiting for the rain to stop, in the meantime, uh, some rock became loose and it rolled into the front of the cave, the entrance of the cave. So it blocked the cave. قَالْ فَقَالَ بَعْضُهُمْ لِبَعْضُ So they said to each other, أُدْعُوا اللَّهِ بِأَفْضَلِ عَمَلٍ عَمِلْتُمُهُ Make dua to Allah with the best of the actions that you have done. Now they are trapped inside of the cave. Cannot push the rock out of the way, no other way out. They say, make dua to Allah with the most sincere and the best of actions you've done. فَقَالَ أَحَدُهُمْ So one of them says, Allahumma, إِنِّي كَانَ لِي أَبَوَانِ شَيْخَانِ كَبِيرَانِ فَكُنْتُ أَخْرُجُ فَأَرْعَى ثُمَّ أَجِئْ فَأَحْلِبْ فَأَجِئُ بِالْحِلَابِ فَآتِي بِهِ أَبَوَيَّ فَيَشْرَبَانِ ثُمَّ أَصْقِ الصَّبِيَّ وَأَهْلِي وَمَرْأَتِي فَاحْتَبَسْتُ لَيْلَةً فَجِئْتُ فَإِذَا هُمَا نَائِمَانِ فَقَالَ فَكَرِهْتُ أَنْ أُنْقِذَهُمَا وَالصَّبِيَّةُ يَتَضَاغَوْنَ عِنْدَ رِجْلِيَّ فَلَمْ يَزَلْ ذَلِكَ دَأْبِي وَدَأْبَهُمَا حَتَّى طَلَعَ الْفَجَرُ اللهم إن كنت إن كنت تعلم أني فعلت ذلك ابتغاء وجهك ففرج عنا فرجة نرى منها السماء قال ففرج عنهم. One of them says that oh Allah, indeed I used to have two very old parents and I used to go out and I used to do my shepherd duties etc. 
And I used to milk the animals and come back with that milk uh, for my family and everybody. But first, not my wife, my kids. First, I used to take that milk that I had freshly squeezed and take it for my parents. Always used to give it to them first, then my own wife and children. One night he says, I got held up and I came that night and my parents were already asleep. But he said, I did not want to give my family the milk first before my parents. So he stood there, we waited all night as they were asleep, they had fallen asleep. And he says, my children were there too, and they wanted it. But I waited, I waited until my parents awoke, for them to have it first before anybody else. He says, oh Allah, indeed you know, the phrasing of it in English you say, if you know, and of course Allah knows, that I did that sincerely for your sake, knowing the rights of the parents, etc., I did that sincerely for your sake to fulfill the rights of my parents, genuine act of uh, uh, obedience, knowing that Islamically we have to obey our parents, etc. I did all of that sincerely for your sake, O oh Allah. So make the affair easy for us now. So he uses this good action that he's done, righteous action sincerely for the sake of Allah, that he's done. And then he mentions that and asks Allah for some reprieve. And it mentions in the narration that the rock moves slightly out of the way. Upon that dua, the rock does move slightly out of the way. Then another one says, there were three of them. Another one says, اللهم إن كنت تعلم أني كنت أحب امرأة من بنات عمي كأشد ما يحب الرجل النساء. He says, Oh Allah, indeed you know that I used to love one of the daughters of my uncle, the most a man can love a woman. فقالت لا تنال ذلك منها حتى تعطيها مئة دينار. فصعيت فيها حتى جمعتها. فلما قعدت بين رجليها قالت اتق الله ولا تفض الخاتم إلا بحقه. فقمت وتركتها. فَإِن كُنْتَ تَعْلَمُ أَنِّي فَعَلْتُ ذَلِكَ بْتِغَاءَ وَجْهِكَ فَفْرُجْعَنَّا فُرْجَةً So he says that you know, I used to love one of the daughters of my uncle, the most a man can love a woman. And then the story mentions about how uh, eventually after gathering some money, etc. and uh, certain affairs, he was in a situation where it was possible for him to engage in the intercourse with her. Not married, nothing. A situation arose then where he was able to do that. And when that was about to occur, she says to him, fear Allah. And so he does. And he says, at that moment, I sincerely recognized and for your sake, I understood, etc. genuinely, and I stopped and I turned and I went. And didn't engage in that, even though he was in a situation where it was possible for him to engage in that there and then. He says when she told him to fear Allah, indeed he did, sincerely. And it occurred to him sincerely. And he stopped, turned and went. So he says, oh Allah, you know that indeed I did that sincerely. Sincerely the recognition came to me and I stopped and I went. So if you know that I did that sincerely, aid us now. And indeed the rocket moves another third. So now slightly coming across more. Still not fully open for them to exit. Then the third one says, اللهم إن كنت تعلم أني استأجرت أجيرا بفرق من ضرة فعطيته وأبى ذاك أن يأخذه فعمدت إلى ذلك الفرق فزرعته حتى اشتريت منه بقرا ورعيا ثم جاء فقال يا عبد الله أعطني حقي فقلت انطلق إلى تلك البقر ورعيها فإنها لك فقال أستهزئ بي أتستهزئ بي قال فقلت ما أستهزئ بك ولكنها لك اللهم إن كنت تعلم أني فعلت ذلك ابتغاء وجهك ففرج عنا فكشف عنهم Third one mentions about how he had a laborer and this particular laborer uh, he was given some, some seeds but the laborer refused them as, as a type of payment And so the individual says, I, I planted those seeds, 
and uh, 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 after planting the seeds and cultivating them and selling them, I ended up buying cows with them, and he ended up with a lot of uh, fruition from that initial investment of those few seeds, which was supposed to be for the laborer, and he, he hadn't taken them. So from those few seeds, he grew them, cultivated them, sold them, got cows, everything grew out from those few seeds. So then that man comes back, the laborer, and he says, give me my due right. He hadn't taken it before. So he says now, this individual who's stuck in the cave, now he's the one the story is happening to. He says, I said to him, go and take those cows. That man, all he was expecting was a few seeds. He said, are you mocking me? Are you taking, uh, are you, are you making a mockery of me? Because he didn't realize how he doesn't deserve any of this. He said, are you mockery, making a mockery of me? He said, no, rather that is for you. So now he had been completely just with him, given him his absolute due right. And so he says, oh Allah, you know that if I did that sincerely for you, and I preserved his investment, etc., gave him his due right, then make the affair easy for us. So again, he mentioned that righteous good deed he done sincerely for the sake of Allah, and made the dua upon that, that type of tawassul with his sincere good deeds. And then it mentions in that narration that the rock completely moved out of the way, and so they were able to exit. So this is an evidence that when making dua, you can use this means of tawassul, which is mentioning your sincere and genuine good deeds you've done for the sake of Allah, purely desiring the reward from Allah, that you mention those in your dua as a tawassul for asking Allah for whatever affair it may be. The third type of tawassul that is allowed in dua, what was the first type? Names and attributes of Allah, calling upon Allah with them in your dua. Second type was? The righteous actions that you've done sincerely. The third type of allowable tawassul is that you ask the pious or somebody righteous who is alive to make dua for you. That is allowed. It is allowed. So, أن تتوصل إلى الله بدعاء الصالحين الأحياء بأن تطلب منهم أن يدعو لك كما فعل عمر بن الخطاب لما خرج ليستسقي للناس فأخذ معه العباس So you can ask the righteous person You can say to somebody pious make dua for me The example mentioned here is actually the same story again That time when they went to the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, Abbas and ask him to make the dua. Umar ibn al-Khattab was actually in charge at the time. He was the khalifa at the time. He went and sought the help of or asked Abbas to make that dua. So that is an example of going to somebody pious and righteous and asking them to make the dua. That is allowed. Scholars do say you shouldn't make some type of habit of it. You yourself are supposed to make dua for yourself. You can make dua and you're supposed to make dua and ask Allah for forgiveness for your shortcomings and ask Allah to have mercy upon you. Ask Allah for rizq. Make dua yourself. It's not like you don't make dua for yourself ever and just rely upon every now and again going to the imam and saying to make dua for me. That isn't the way. You make dua yourself. But on some occasion if it occurs and you say to somebody righteous that you come across in some scenario make dua for me, then it's allowed. That is allowed. Uh, with regards to the issue of the grave of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that's where the biggest debate is going to be. If somebody comes and says to you that the Prophet ﷺ is alive in his grave, as the narrations, etc., indicate, etc., they may come and say to you, look, there are narrations, there are a hadith, there is this, there is that, indicating that the Prophet ﷺ is alive in his grave. 
So therefore, we're not calling upon anyone deceased. He's alive. And so, your argument, all of it, doesn't apply here. We can call upon him because he is alive. So what do we say then? We say firstly, إِذَا صَحَّتْ الْأَحَادِيثِ فِي أَنَّ الرَّسُولِ حَيٌّ فِي قَبَرِ يَرِدُ الصَّلَاءَ عَلَى يَرُدُّ يَرُدُّ الصَّلَاءَ عَلَى مَنْ يُصَلِّ عَلَيْهِ فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَخْلُ الْحَالِ مِنْ أَمْرَيْنِ إِمَّا أَنْ تَطْلُبُوا مِنَ الرَّسُولِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ هُوَ فِي قَبْرِهِ وَأَنْتُمْ فِي مَكَانِكُمْ بَعِيدٌ عَنْ قَبْرِهِ وَإِمَّا أَنْ تَطْلُبُوا مِنَ الرَّسُولِ صَلَّى طلبكم للرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم يتضمن أنه صلى الله عليه وسلم يعلم بطلبكم ويعلم دعاءكم ففيه وصف الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو ليس من حاله وأمره فقد جعلتم, فقد جعلتم الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم كالله سبحانه وتعالى يستطيع أن يسمعكم وأن يستجيب دعاءكم رغم بعدكم عنه فهذا الدعاء فيه صرف شيء من خصائص الله إلى غيره فهو شرك أكبر الشيخ says even in that scenario if we were to say okay even if we were to say if we were to say that the Prophet is alive in his grave etc so none of these arguments apply here you can make dua by you calling upon the Prophet you are then now stating that he hears you and that he is able to respond to you we know from the texts, generally anybody who has passed away does not hear you and does not respond to your dua. Even if you claim that he is alive and he responds to the one who gives the salam upon him, etc. It still doesn't give you a proof that you can call upon him with general duas and that he hears you and that he replies to you. That is not proven anywhere in the Quran or the Sunnah. So it is not permissible to call upon the deceased, to call upon anybody who has passed away, even if it is the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and that is all into bid'ah and into further than that shirk, depending on the circumstances. Any questions up to there so far? That is all still in discussion of the second point. That is all in discussion of the second nullifier of Islam, which is the issue of taking intermediaries from the deceased, intercessors from the deceased. Next time then, we're going to begin with the third nullifier of Islam. And the third nullifier is, مَنْ لَمْ يُكَفِّرِ الْمُشْرِكِينَ أَوْ شَكَّ فِي كُفْرِهِمْ a person who does not declare the mushrikeen to be kuffar. A mushrik who is a mushrik and you say no he's not, he's a muslim. You refuse to declare the mushrikeen as mushrikeen. Or you have doubt upon the kuffar of the mushrikeen. Or you legitimize their stances and their positions and their religion. Then that is kuffar. That is kufr. And that is what we'll discuss and explain in more detail, inshaAllah ta'ala, from the next session, uh, next week at 7 p.m. So we'll conclude upon that for tonight then.